Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Turn up your volume. This is Unfuck Nation. All right, all right. Welcome to this week's episode of Unfuck Nation. I am your host, Gary John Bishop, and I have a doozy of a freaking show for you this week. I learned this a long time ago. And when I say a long time ago, I mean like well over 10 years ago, probably more like over 15 years ago. And it's one of those things that stuck with me. I mean, there's lots of things that I've learned, some stuck. Some didn't. This stuck with me. And this is for those of you that want to get a little bit more insight into what's actually going to move life forward for you. So, I mean, you hear me talk about action, 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 right? And, I, you know, that's true. Life changes in the paradigm of action. Speaking is an action. Okay? Speaking is an action. Speaking is a doing. You are speaking. Thoughts are not an action. Thinking is not even an action, right? Nothing's moving. But speaking is an action. Now, not all speaking, though, moves life. And I'm going to distinguish for you on this week's call, this week's show, because it seems like a call. I've got fucking headphones in. And this week's show, I'm going to talk to you about the kinds of speaking that will move life forward. And it's very specific. But I'm going to start with what the kind of vast spectrum of speaking that happens is not the kind of speaking that moves life, right? And I mean the vast, I mean just like the morass of speaking that happens in a given day is not the kind of talk that shifts life. It's actually the kind of talk that just speculates and observes on life. Most of the talking that you do is observational. You talk to people about this, about that, about that, about this, about that person, this situation, that situation, this job, that body, these clothes. It's all observational. You're sharing your insights. So you mostly, in your everyday life, are talking about life. So we think about it like a sporting event or a concert, and you're sitting next to your friends at a sporting event or, or a concert. And I think those are good examples. There are other examples, but we'll go with those too. 
you might turn to your friend and say, oh, this is freaking great. Did you see that? Did you see how they just did that? I mean, that's one of my favorite. I mean, I love it when, this is why I love this. All of which is just observational. You're observing something and you're commenting on it. In fact, in the way that a commentator would, the vast majority of your conversations in life are kind of like being a commentator. And in that little box there, oh, that was a great move. Did you see that? Yeah, I really love that. I don't like this. Uh, they could be finding themselves in a lot of trouble here. That's how you talk. You talk about life. You don't engage in the kinds of conversations that actually fucking move life. This is why you guys, I talk about promises quite a bit. Promises are the kinds of talking that moves life. It's like a fucking stake in the ground. Right? I saw somebody recently, by the way, I'm talking about an influencer, somebody who has a name, say promises don't mean shit. And I really got how fucking resigned that person is. But what they were really talking about was themselves. Their promises don't mean shit. They don't mean shit. They promise all kinds of stuff and it doesn't happen. And so they're left with us conversations around promises have basically just dwindled down to little more than fucking commentary. And I invite you to consider that for you, in certain areas of your life, that's true of you too. That you mostly engage in the kind of conversations that are about life. They don't move life. So promises are the kinds of conversations that can move life, can move life along. When you declare something to somebody, when you say, I promise you, those are the kinds of conversations that have a gravity to them. Now, of course, you can undermine that gravity, right? And you know how to do that. How do I do it? I don't, I don't deliver. I can make promises, but I don't deliver. Now I'm just weakening my promises and I'm resigning that powerful conversation of promise to the commentary box, to being a spectator. Which is another reason why promises are so fucking important. Because when your promises count, you now have a method for shifting life. So it's important for you to start paying attention to that and start getting some skin in the game. Don't back away from promises. Promises are the kinds of speaking that can open whole new futures for you or not. What's another kind of conversation that will move life? Acknowledgement. When you acknowledge another for something, you will move life. You will shift the situation. When you say to somebody, hey, I've noticed that you blah, 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 and I see you, and I appreciate you when you do that. That's acknowledgement. But I want to thank you for the work you've done and for the way you've done X, Y, or Z. That's acknowledgement. Those are the kinds of powerful, creative conversations that will move life. Think of somebody in your life right now that you need to acknowledge. Somebody that you need to slip them a quick phone call, send them a text, send them an email. Trust me, you will start to see yourself as someone who can move life forward, that you can shape life in the powerful conversation of acknowledgement when you acknowledge another. So you can see like acknowledgement isn't a spectator sport. You, you actually have to get in the game when you acknowledge another. In fact, to acknowledge another requires a certain vulnerability from you. You have to kind of let your guard down a little, open your heart up a bunch. 
which believe it or not, people are very hesitant to do. People are pretty content closing that thing down. But that's the problem. Over time, we don't realize how cynical we've become. We don't realize how shut off we've become. We don't share our love. I'm writing a new book right now, and I'm up to my fucking eyeballs in it. I mean, like, I'm up to my eyeballs in this book. And it's exposing me to conversations at new levels and new depths, and it requires me to do some real thinking and to transfer that thinking onto the, onto the page. But, you know, a big part of this is a certain degree of introspection on my part and a fair degree of investigating of others for the way that they live and the way that I live and that I notice my tendency towards these same things. So as I've told you in the past, you know, I don't hold myself out there as something you should aspire to. You know, if anything, you should recognize yourself in me like I recognize myself in you. I recognize myself. So a lot of these things that I'm talking about, in fact, all of these things that I'm talking about, I'm talking from my own humanity, right? Like I know my tendency for that. I see myself in that. Whether I do it or not is irrelevant. I can see the logic in it. And from having interacted with thousands and thousands of people, as we've talked about in the past, right? So from that regard, you know, I noticed there's a real kind of tendency to do the kind of easy or the cozy. I know there's a, there's a tendency to kind of just join in with the rest of the fucking herd, to stand there grazing in the field of life, talking about life, and being seduced by that, being intoxicated by that being even fooled into that somehow this is living, when in fact, it's really just existing. Living, living, my friends, is opening your mouth, is forgiving, is being accepting, is acknowledging, is loving, is making promises of holding yourself, of being someone of integrity, of being someone who's greater than the sum of their feelings in any given moment. That is being alive of calling yourself out on your bullshit and striking a blow for freedom, of never being satisfied with just the insight, but actually using the insight to fuel something, to fire something in the existence. That's being alive. And being alive like that is a fucking risky business. Like starting your own company. It's a risky business. Asking somebody out on a date, it's a risky business of making a promise that you're going to lose the weight or gain the weight or, or save the money or whatever it is, of declaring that it's a risky business. What's the risk? That I'll sell out on myself. That's why you see all this shit on Instagram, for instance, about, you know, keep your plans a secret. Of course it is. It's because they know, just like you know, that when you sell out on it, no one will know except you problem is that's where all the damage gets done the damage gets done to you at least when it's done in the open you've got some kind of pressure to produce and there's nothing wrong with that pressure no, no i'm not saying you give away all your fucking trade secrets i'm not saying that but i am clear about what i'm up to in this life i'm an opening for that i not only attract it i seek it i search it i talk to people about it I have the kinds of conversations that will move life forward, which brings me to the next kind of conversation that moves life forward. Requests. Ask. 
fucking ass. That moves life forward. But again, you'll notice when I request something of somebody, it's a risky business. What am I risking? Judgment. Rejection. One of the greatest things you can ever ask anybody is, hey, listen, I don't understand that. Could you explain it to me? And I guarantee you there are things in your life that you live with, right? That you don't know, but you pretend you do know it because you don't want to face the fucking embarrassment of having to ask somebody about this thing because you've been doing it for so fucking long. Everybody presumes that you do know it and you don't. That's right. And that means every time you're around that conversation or that subject, you shrink a little. You're not quite yourself. You're not quite out there because you know. That is always the biggest burden for anybody. It's not what other people know about you. It's what you know about you. You know what's behind the fucking curtain, which again is why these conversations about life are a little more seductive than the kinds of conversations that move life, that move life forward. And again, it's things like acknowledgement, vulnerability, sharing yourself, asking questions, making requests. Those are all the kinds of conversations that move life forward. If you limited yourself to those kinds of conversations, most of the people that you call friends, you wouldn't have fucking shit to talk to them about. Because most of your conversations with your quote-unquote friends are an indulgence in a spectator sport. How I'm doing, how you're doing, how they're doing. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? It's all bullshit. We're intoxicated by the mundane. There's no rigor. There's no vibrancy. There's no fucking game. It's a shelter, a hideout, a place that you can hang and pretend to yourself that you're making progress while you hold on to your resentment. Well, I'm a work in progress. Come on. Come on. No, to be alive is to be out there. It's to be at risk. That is the definition of aliveness. In my view, it's to be at risk. Here's the question for you this week, my friends. What are you at risk for? All right, I'm going to take a short break. Right after this break, I'm going to come back with a question from the nation. You need to pay attention to the question this week. We've got a fucking great question. As usual, if you want to participate in a future episode of Unfucked Nation, you can call me 646-450-3203. You can email me, connect at Gary John Bishop, or you can reach out to me on the website, um, unfuckednation.com. Also, if you haven't yet subscribed to this show, then you should do that right now. Go click on that button, subscribe. And if you haven't rated the show, or as yet reviewed the show, and some of you have been listening to this fucking show since it started and you still haven't reviewed it, please jump over there. Wherever you're getting your podcast from, leave us a review, okay? And have it be an authentic review. All right, we'll be back in a moment. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. 
so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. All right, all right. Welcome back to the second part of this week's episode. As usual, we have a question from the nation. This week's question is from Tina. I think this is a question that people are going to be able to identify with, not in terms of perhaps the details, but certainly the nature of this situation. I think many of us have experienced something very similar in terms of the nature of this, if not the details. Anyway, Tina says, Hey, Gary, love your podcast and books. I love the curse words. They're my favorite. I'll get to it. I've been seeing my current boyfriend for over a year now. The beginning of our relationship was difficult. I was still married, but not living in my home with my husband, who was very abusive for 16 years. And I decided I'd had enough. I met my boyfriend while I was married and was actually his sister's best friend. He was never on my radar until March of last year. He works at my best friend's bar. And I was supposed to meet her there. But she didn't show up. He and I instantly connected. I really didn't think much would come of this, to be honest. And I think he would agree about that too. I didn't bother to tell his sister, my best friend, at the time, because I thought it would be a one-night stand and that's it. Well, it obviously wasn't. I didn't know how to tell my best friend about a relationship. I spoke with a couple of our mutual friends about how I should approach her and tell her I was falling for her brother. Before I got a chance to tell her, they told her. She was hurt, angry, and disgusted that I didn't tell her right away and that I told her other friends first. Those so-called friends quit talking to me, and she did too. I listened to the Clean Up Your Mess podcast episode and used that approach to talk to her. I didn't feel like I owed anyone anything else but her. I took responsibility for where the current state of a relationship is. I sat there and listened to her tell me all these awful things she thought about me and let it go. I tried to put myself in her shoes and be understanding, and I thought we could move forward. She did horrible things, gathered her friends and cornered my boyfriend at work and told him he was picking me over her. She met with my ex-husband and told him things I had confided in her before her separation. I honestly want nothing to do with her and how ugly she can be for a grown woman but there is still the fact that she is my boyfriend's sister. I'm so completely in love with him. I've never been treated like a human or that I have a voice that matters before. I've tried multiple times to mend things with her so we can move on. She says she just wants us to be happy, but then she'll say I'm still shrugging with you and my brother being together. I don't know where to go from here. Tell me your thoughts. All right, Tina. So I'm not sure. I think there's a piece missing here okay because her upset seems a little out of sync for the situation so i suspect there's a piece missing either some piece about you and your friend or a piece about your boyfriend 
and his sister. There's something that's not here that I know is here, right? There's something that's not said here, but I know there's something else there. You know, that's a big part of what I do, right? I add up all the pieces and we add up all the pieces here. There's a piece missing. So that piece is an important aspect of her experience of betrayal because that's her experience. Her experience is she's been betrayed, okay? If I was going to talk about mistakes, okay, the mistake you made was you never went straight to your friend and coughed up the fur ball right away. In my view, it's not a particularly big fur ball, but I think that's because I don't know the missing piece. If I knew the missing piece, the missing piece is consistent with the degree of significance that this has for her. So whatever that is. So then your first error was going to your friends, quote unquote friends. I know the judgment and the reasoning in your head was something like how you judge this situation and the reason you gave yourself with was something like, I need to know how to approach her, right? Which I don't think is true. I think you are looking for allies. I think you're looking for people who kind of jump on your side and say, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. You should blah, 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 blah. That put something into this dynamic that didn't really belong in this dynamic. And it became actually a lump in the dynamic that you had to try and undo. And it just wasn't necessary. In fact, you could have gone to it and said, look, I don't even know how to say this to you. I'm not sure about how you'll take it. I want you to know that whatever I'm about to say, it's meant with good intent and love and connection with you. and it's between you and I, right? And then you should have just said what you need to say. So in other words, for people that are worried about how you're going to say something or how it's going to be received, that's the first thing you say before you say it. You prepare the landing strip for the fucking plane coming in. You don't try and strategize the thing because strategy is ultimately inauthentic. If you just lay your cards on the table and you're authentically yourself, then you can work through it. So anyway, that's one piece. And if there's anything you need to own, it would be that, that you went to other people. Now, what do you do now, though? I think you need to say to her, she says, I'm still struggling with you and my brother being together, which is just strange in one hand. On the other hand, she might feel like she's losing her brother or she's losing you as a friend. I think you need to make that clear. You have to let her know, look, I get this is tough for you. You're not losing me as a friend and you're not going to lose your brother either. You'll always have your brother. You'll always be your brother regardless of our situation. And we're going to be together. And if you say you want us to be happy, then I'm requesting that you stick to that. That's all. And if there's anything you need to work out with me over time, I'm here for you. I'm, I'm an open door for you to do that, to come work it out with me. And that's it. There's nothing else for you to do there. In other words, she needs to work through this herself. You make yourself available. You let her know you're not judging her. You're not making her wrong. And I'm saying everything I'm saying here, by the way, Tina, knowing that there's a piece that's not here. And by the way, it might be a piece. This could be a piece that even you don't know about. But there's a piece not here. And I don't need to know necessarily what the piece is. I just, I'm clear there's another bit to this. 
I suspect it's something to do with your friend's relationship with one of you, not both of you. There's one of you, there's some thing there for her. So anyway, you got to leave the door open, but it's not your job to fix her and bring her around. It's not. And then you have the same conversation with your partner. You say, look, here's the deal. The door's open. I'm willing to work this through with her. And it's not my job to undo that knot. It's her job to undo that knot. My commitment is to you and that you're happy. And if there's any way that I can support you in your relationship with your sister, I'm happy to do that. But that knot that she has about this is something that she has tied. And you can't untie that for her. She can only do that herself. Now, this is a little bit of a little bit of insight for everybody out there. One of the most important things you can do with people is give them enough space to change their mind. A lot of times people won't change their mind because doing so would be like a big fucking deal. So it's your job to kind of reduce the significance around you in life such that people are free to change their mind without fear of judgment or being used against them or, you know, some kind of diminishing conversation around them. So if you can do anything here, Tina, it's to create the environment between you and your partner and you and your friend that there's plenty of room for them to change their mind. And if she doesn't, she doesn't. That's how that goes. People are addicted to being right. They're always looking for evidence for being right. You can get all your attention on creating and living into a powerful relationship and to continue to create that for yourself and to maintain this connection between you and this person that you love. Sometimes we make choices in life. Sometimes we make decisions in life that people don't like. It's okay. A big part of what you need to do as a human being is to get that it's okay that they're upset. It's okay. It's not a big fucking deal. Does it have implications? Yeah. Does it have consequences? Yeah. And so fucking what? It doesn't mean you see you pull back or stop. So you may well not have the same friendship you had with that person before, and that's okay. You just give her plenty of room to stew in this and to percolate in this and to undo her own knot. You got to give up the idea that it's your job to undo that thing. All right, you guys, that's it for this week's episode. If you want to be part of a future episode, 646-450-3203 or email me, connect at garyjohnbishop.com or send me a message on the website, unfucknation.com. All right, you guys, have a great one. I'll see you on the flip side. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.